chapter 2. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, Now Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. I've got another portion to read to you from the book of Luke. Chapter 2, a little bit later in Jesus' life. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey. And they sought him among their kinsfolk. And acquaintance. When they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. I want to preach to you our series finale, the characters of Christmas, about the seekers, the seekers. Let us pray. Reverend Hill, would you please pray over our message and messenger this morning? Amen, amen. You may be seated. All right, we started this, this is the fourth Sunday, so the first Sunday Reverend Hill kicked it off uh, for us, and we talked about the, uh, what we could call the businessmen, those who were traveling, those who were 
dealing with the tavern or the inn, those who were paying taxes and about how Christ impacted their life. We took it over in part two, speaking of into his world, about the parents and how it impacted uh, Mary and Joseph. Last week we talked about the waiting ones, Simeon and Anna, and how that they were waiting for the consolation or the comfort, as we shared with you last week, of Christ's coming. And this week, we're dealing with the seekers, the seekers. Now, my wife and I lived in the Philippines for four and a half years. We were missionaries there. It's actually where our son was born. And one of the things that happens when you live overseas is that you don't always get the brands that you are accustomed to. So we are accustomed to going and maybe to Walgreens or Walmart or wherever, and you buy the type of toothpaste you want. You buy the type of deodorant you want. You buy the type of soda you want. Well, not all of those brands were available there in the Philippines. And sometimes you found some things that were just as good, maybe even a little bit better. But there were oftentimes you longed for having your familiar brands in a faraway place. And so there was one particular time when we were walking through the market. And the market in the Philippines was not like your Walmart or your schnooks here. It was set up on the side of the road and, and everybody was out there selling their stuff. Uh, just a hodgepodge of people walking through the streets. And you look down, sometimes you'd find a, uh, they were selling snakes and various things down there. But I looked down and I saw a familiar brand. And it made me pause. It had the same colors. It had the same size. It was toothpaste. And I looked down and I saw, oh man, there it is, Crest toothpaste. Except when I looked a little closer, it wasn't Crest toothpaste. They had changed the name. It was Crust toothpaste. <laughs> now that really didn't appeal to me, amen. I was looking for something. And because it was so familiar, it almost lured me in to purchasing it. When we meet our seekers today, we find there were people that were looking for something. Now, we got to correct a few misconceptions real quick. We don't know how many wise men there were. And so those who tell you that there were three wise men, they get that because they brought three types of gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But the Bible does not tell us how many wise men. There could have been 20. There could have been uh, two. There could have been uh, any number in between. We don't know for sure. And the pictures you get of the wise men arriving at the birth of Jesus, well, that's not really accurate either. They saw the star and they had traveled. But even from the interaction with Herod, you get the understanding that they could have been traveling or looking for a long time. Matter of fact, afterwards, Herod had all of the children under two years old killed. So the wise men probably did not arrive at the time when Jesus was first born the first few days. It was probably a year or two. But the thing that gets me is these wise men were searching. They were astronomers, if you will. And every night, I imagine they would scan the stars and the sky looking and perhaps had their way of 
marking down each constellation and each star and, and looking and maybe trying to figure out as they moved and what they could see one night they couldn't see the next night and, and on and on. And as they were looking for knowledge and as they were looking to better themselves and as they were looking to help, they saw something they hadn't seen before. They saw a star. And the Bible tells us that this particular star came to be when Christ was born. Now, uh, put yourself in their minds for a moment. Those who had day after day, week I should say, night after night, looked and gazed at the stars when that particular night they saw one that they had never seen before. Now, I don't suppose, I mean, you have to figure out one of those nights in their job was probably the first night they had started. And uh, I can imagine as they first pulled out the paper and first started writing out the constellations, there were probably times in the next couple of weeks they saw a star they hadn't seen before. They saw uh, as the, the earth moved, they saw a constellation that was a little different to them. But this particular star that appeared to them was so different and so spectacular that it made them say, we've got to find out about this star. Now think about it, what kind of, of, of astronomical occurrence would make these men who had now for a long time been staring at the sky suddenly get up the, the gumption to say, you know what, let's pack up our stuff, let's go on a journey because surely there's something here that we haven't seen before. Now we all know what it's like to find something that's... That's extraordinary. And maybe you saw a clip of, uh, I, I have these screen savers and they, they, they cycle out. And so sometimes they'll show me a beautiful scenery. And you wonder, man, where in the world is that? And you click on it and it'll tell you this is in Peru or this is in uh, wherever it might be. And, and it says, wow, I'd like to go and see that one day. Amen. But no matter how beautiful some of those sceneries are, I haven't yet got up that, that determination that this thing is so beautiful. Honey, pack your bags. Let's pull the money out of the savings account and let's go check this place out. So there was something so stupendous about this star that so spoke to them that said we've got to get up and we've got to go find out what is going on. Now, we might not have experienced that in astronomy, in that realm. But there are plenty of people who in their life are longing for something more. Matter of fact, in one way or another, we are all seekers this morning. We're all looking for something. Our, the writers of the Declaration of Independence talked about the, uh, the pursuit of, of happiness. We're looking for something. The strange thing is, you ask different people what it is that will make them happy, you get different answers. The teenager may say, man, if I could just find that beautiful woman who was blind and be willing to marry me, amen. <laughs> or the young lady might say, if I could just find that millionaire who would cast his eyes upon me and make me his wife, then I'd be set for the rest of my life. Others might say, you know, if I could just be reunited with my family. We were talking last night about 
how the holidays can be a little melancholy for some folks because we've all experienced loss. Maybe your parents aren't alive anymore or your grandparents aren't alive. And, and some of the holidays are just intertwined with those memories that we had of being in grandma's house and, and eating the special meal or, or sitting down with mom. And we can't do that. And there's a sense of loss, a sense of grief. I like what one man said, grief is love with no place to go. And so you, you grieve because, man, I can't call mom and say happy uh, Merry Christmas. Now, if your mom's alive, you better call her. Amen? It's already on my schedule today. Call mom, call dad, make sure we say something. But I can't call my grandmother. She's already passed. That used to be one of my holiday traditions. Can't call that family member anymore. But we've all experienced that. In one way or another, we are all seekers. And we all have different answers of what would exactly make us happy. What would exactly fulfill us. Whether it be a reuniting with a family member. Whether it be more money. Or maybe you would say, if I could just get out of this bad weather. Right about now, if I was in a, on a beach in Hawaii or Southern California, man, then I would be happy. But there's a bunch of people, I want to tell you right now, I lived in Hawaii, that are saying, if I could just get off this rock. A bunch of people in Southern California would say, if I could just escape Southern California. So that's not happiness, is it? We're all seeking for something. If we could sum it up, we have to say, we have to say we're looking for something either to make our life better or there are those who are already seeing into the future and understand I want to be ready for eternity. Either something to make our life better or something to prepare us for eternity. You talk to some people about hell and, and eternity and that just kind of goes over their mind. But you talk to some people and they say, I'm so miserable today. There's got to be an answer now to make my family better. And there is. His name is Jesus. Now, though these wise men were searching, they did not know exactly what they were going to find. They understood that there was something. They understood that there was a, a prophecies and whatnot that were supposedly being fulfilled. But they didn't know exactly what they were going to find. Man, what a glad time it is when we who are seeking get brought, maybe it's to a church service or, or maybe it's through a, a, a Bible study or somebody speaks to us and they say, you know what you really need? You need peace with God. And you can't get it from a psychologist and you can't get it from a prescription and you can't get it from drinking until you forget your problems. You need to get it and you find it at an altar where you surrender your heart to Jesus. And we come seeking. We like the wise men pack up everything and say, you know what, I'm going to invest everything in this. I'm going to give my whole heart. And when we do, we find a satisfaction. I got to get back to it in a minute. We'll get to it. Recently, my son came into our bedroom. It was about 4.30 in the morning. And I think he was talking to my wife, but I heard him. He said, I can't find any scissors. He was doing a, a school project, and he needed to cut these things out to put them on the board to get them at the school project. And he had been looking for hours to find scissors in the house. And my wife said, you know, I've been looking for scissors too. And I, I got to, I, I was concerned because 
4.30 in the morning. The kid's got to drive 30 minutes. He's only got a few hours left. And so I got up and I began looking. Man, I was searching through the house. And, and uh, at first, uh, I came up with those tiny little scissors that are in those little sewing kits. I mean, that was something, right? And then I found something better. <laughs> no. <laughs> I found those little scissors they use to clip your nose hairs. We're making progress, but we're not there yet. <laughs> and then I found a pair of, of kid scissors. Now that could do the trick. And we eventually cut out the things we needed to cut out, and he got him an hour or two of sleep and, and got his stuff turned in. Now here's the thing. When you don't need something immediately, you have the tendency to say, at least I do, well, I don't need it right now. It will turn up. It will turn up. As I'm living, as I'm going through the house and doing things, the things that I'm looking for will turn up. Yesterday, I found three pairs of nice scissors, amen, <laughs> in the garage that my wife had set aside to wrap paper and stuff and wrap gifts and whatnot. There they were. They turned up. Now, when you don't need something right away, like I said, you have a tendency to say it will turn up. But when you need something, and you need it now, amen, there is an urgency to your searching. Now, I told you about our seekers, the wise men. But Jesus' own parents at one time became seekers. Now, this is later in Jesus' life. This time he's 12 years old, and they had taken him into Jerusalem and they were celebrating the feast and, and they, they would travel as like a caravan with all the family members. And when they left Jerusalem, Mary looked over at Joseph and, and uh, said, hey, where's Jesus? And I imagine Joseph said, oh, he's probably with one of the uncles or the aunts. And Mary said, okay. And they traveled a whole day and in the middle of that day they thought, he will turn up. He will turn up. But he didn't. And finally that mama's heart and maybe that dad's heart uh, began to say, hey, we got to find him. And when they looked all among the family members, they didn't find him. And they went back to Jerusalem searching for him. Recently there was a clip of a lady who went ballistic at an airport, grabbing the computer and throwing it at the people and everything. And, but the story was her children were missing. Her children were lost. Now, I'm not making an excuse for her. She shouldn't have acted that way. But you can understand a little bit more, amen, of the panic she must have been feeling at that moment. And, the, and oh, my Lord, my children, where are they? And she couldn't find them. And, and she lost her, her mind and was doing stupid stuff. But, but it's because she couldn't find her children. And you can imagine that same type of, of panic. And, and they began searching. And, and they went everywhere. And it's kind of funny, kind of strange. But the last place they went was to the temple. Now, I don't know about you, and we know a little different than Mary and Martha at the time, or um, I should say Mary and Joseph at the time. But shouldn't that have been the first place they went to find him? The very first place that you go when you're looking for God is, is among the people of God, in God's house. Amen. 
Now there are those worshipers, uh, uh, those seekers who are like the wise men uh, who find something and they don't necessarily know uh, what it will lead them to and exactly know what they're getting into. But there are others uh, who like Mary and Martha, they knew what they were looking for. But here's the crazy thing. They traveled a whole day just assuming he would turn up. But he didn't. You know, I talk to people at funerals. And in their mind they say, well, you know, I'll, I'll get right before I die. Or they'll say, you know, I understand I need to make things right. And Jesus will turn up in my life. Jesus will, he'll, he'll be there when, you know, when I'm old and decrepit and I, I've got no more energy that I can spend on sin and self. Then I'll turn to God and he'll be there. But we're not guaranteed another day. Spoke to a couple that were there last night in our fellowship. And the one lady's fiance was just killed two or three days ago. And the person that was involved, another, another family member was wounded and, and things happened in that. And, and I'm sitting there looking at this. I said, this is unfolding before my eyes in our fellowship. That she had just lost her, her fiancé. He was murdered. And the other man had, had to get in there and fight the attacker. And, and, I mean, it was a big, long story and so many details and a lot of family members involved. And it's just, just shocking. But you see, you got to ask, when are we going to die? When are we, we going to breathe our last breath? And how foolish it is. For Mary and Joseph to think, well, he'll turn up. Because he didn't just turn up without them actively seeking him. Jesus, just, you don't just reach into your pocket like you do sometimes and, and find a $20 bill. Wow, isn't that a blessing? That's a Christmas present, right? Woo, look at that, man. Praise God. Hey, we're going out to lunch. I'm going to treat you like a queen. We're going to go to White Castle, right? Boy, we're going to celebrate today. But you don't reach into your back pocket and find salvation. You don't pull out and say, oh, wow, Jesus has been there all the time. And you don't go through life. Some people think Christianity is like being an American. Well, I was born in America, therefore I'm a Christian. No, that's not it. You've got to actively seek him and say, Jesus, come into my life. You've got to be willing to remove the things that don't belong so that there's room for Christ to come in. He won't come in and abide with your alcoholism. He won't come in and abide with your cursing. He won't come in and abide with our laziness that doesn't want to serve God. No, we've got to be willing to surrender all. Reverend Teeman, he used to be pastor here. Years before that, he was in Dallas, and I think I was there preaching for him. And it was a Sunday morning. Sunday mornings, oftentimes the pastors preach instead of the evangelist. And he was preaching from the parable about the, the pearl of great price. And how that one man who was seeking for that pearl of great price, when he found it, he took all the other pearls he had, and he sold them to be able to get enough money to buy that one pearl of great price. And Reverend Teeman said, you know, sometimes people are that way when it's about coming to Christ. But they're not willing to completely sell out. 
And because they're not willing to surrender all, they don't get Christ. He said this, they still have pearls in their pockets. They still got things that they're not willing to give up. And I thought, man, isn't that true? People who, who want God, but they don't want to give up the pornography. Or they don't want to give up the drinking. Or they don't want to give up whatever it is, the, the pet relationship. We love you. We want you to get to heaven. But you can't get to heaven living and shacking up. Amen? Can't get to heaven doing things that are contrary to the Bible. You've got to be willing to surrender all. Now, you might be like the wise man who one day found something so great that seems to line up with this, this promise, and you don't know what you're going to get. But it's not good enough just to see it afar off. They had to pack up their bags, get ready for a long journey, and they had to go. You might say, I really want to change. You know, I didn't like 2022 and the new year's coming. I want to be different. Life gets better. Here's your quote of the day. Life gets better, not by chance, but by change. Life gets better, not by chance, but by change. And so you, you're not going to magically find a vital, vibrant walk with God in your pocket this year. But if you, in your heart and mind, say, I'm going to make the changes I'm going to pursue what God is showing me. The wise men pursued and they found Christ. Mary and Joseph got tired of assuming. And they went and found him. They were seekers. Now here's the thing I alluded to earlier. The Bible said that when the wise men found him, they presented the gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And you think about this, look at this. The wise men didn't even know what they were going to find. And Mary and Joseph had to leave home and leave their job and go out there. They didn't even know how they were going to survive. But God took the wise men who were seeking Christ and brought these gold and gifts and frankincense and myrrh to Jesus, who was still a babe at the time or a toddler. And it was the very thing that provided for their family. Amen. Look at God bringing stuff together. Amen. But the Bible said that when, when they got there, they were warned of God and they left a different way. And here's where we know we found what we're looking for when we're changed. When we're changed. So if you come today and say, you know what, I want my life to be better. It's not going to be by chance, but it will be by change. And when Christ comes into your life, when you repent of your sins and say, Jesus, I want to be different. And you open up your heart to him. He'll come in. There'll be a change. I've gone through, this would be what, 55, 50, yeah, 55 New Year's, 54, 55. Wow. And, of course, some of those earlier ones didn't really have those resolution or hopes for change in the new year. Some of the later ones, you say, you know what, I really want this year to be different. I don't know what it is about a new year. I get excited about it. It's just a good demarcation point where you can say, all right, from this time onward, things are going to be different. 
It's not bad to make resolutions. But if you eat the same junk food and you sit around the same amount of time, your weight's not going to change. You still spend every dollar. If you spend every $2 for every dollar you earn, your financial situation's not going to change. If you never open up this book and make coming to church a priority, your spiritual situation won't change. But if you say, I am going to read the Bible, I'm going to make church a priority, I'm going to serve God, things can be different in your life. Would you bow your head? Reverend Hill's getting ready to come and lead the altar call. Pastor, I'm a seeker. I'm looking. I want God to change me. I want God to do something in my heart and in my soul. You're in the right place. If you come looking for him, you can find him. But your mind's got to be made up. God, I want to be different you got to pack up your stuff, whether it's getting up out of the pew and coming to an altar, whether it's purposing in your heart, I'm going to be in every church service, every prayer meeting, every Bible study I can. My life is going to get better, not by chance, but by change. I'm going to repent. That's what repent means. It means to change. I'm going to repent and ask God to come in and give me a brand new beginning.